those of you who don't know who I am, I am part of the pastoral team here at Hillsborough Village. Um, also the campus coordinator here, so I kind of oversee all volunteers and volunteer coordinators and supplies and make sure the coffee tastes halfway decent and kind of do that. And then on top of that, I get to occasionally preach. And so we wear many hats here at Ethos. And so um, if you were with us back in the fall, you may remember that I was coming to preach or teach and I hurt my back. It was early in the morning. How many of you were here when I hurt my back and I was kind of whining about it? Larkin made lots of jokes. It was nice. Um, I was lifting. We had to carry lots of stuff up out of this place and I was lifting something and I tweaked it and it hurt really bad. I had a hard time breathing. Um, I had a hard time sitting up. And so I actually ended up bringing out this stool and that's kind of how this started because I couldn't stand and I still had to teach. And so um, after that Sunday, I went to the chiropractor for the first time. I've never been to the chiropractor. And what they pretty much told me was my, the muscles in my back are so tight that they could have played guitar with them. They were just like wound up like this. And they're like, you just need to start stretching more. I'm like, okay. So they recommended I start doing yoga. Um, so I, I've done yoga once or twice in the past. It wasn't that bad. It kind of broke some stereotypes in my head. But I've never consistently done yoga before. I've done hot yoga now. And so they said, we need to start, you need to start consistently stretching and doing yoga. And I quickly uh, learned two things about myself. One, um, I'm not flexible in any way, shape, or form. Uh, two, your body is not supposed to go in certain positions in certain ways. It's just not natural in, in any way. And I still can't do any balancing things. But one of the things that I quickly learned as I started this process is that it was uncomfortable it was extremely uncomfortable to do yoga. It was hard stretching my body in those ways. It hurt. Um, and sometimes it was extremely awkward. I had moments where I would be in the living room doing yoga and my roommates would walk in <laughs> and I was sweating in the middle of a pose and they just <laughs> laughed at me. And, and the reason I say all this is today's topic is going to be a lot like doing yoga. It's going to be slightly uncomfortable. It may be a little stretching. And sometimes it could be awkward. And the reason I say that is because today we're talking about uh, the topic of signs and wonders. So signs and wonders, if you're a Christian, you may have heard that term a lot in your life. You may have read about it. Um, it's, it's littered throughout the Bible. There's signs and wonders in the Old Testament, like Red Seas parting and fire falling. And there's signs and wonders with Jesus, like walking on water and calming storms. And, and then the early church also has signs and wonders. It's a common theme. Now, if you're a non-Christian, this may be the thing where you go, that's that weird thing Christians believe, the mystical, voodoo, spiritual stuff. I don't like that. And so you'd like to keep that as far away as possible. But, but today, I believe we have to wrestle with it. Um, and so as we start, I want to kind of give us a, a definition of what signs and wonders are, a very basic definition, so we can kind of have the same language. Um, signs and wonders at their core are just really anything that is out of the norm anything that's out of ordinary in life. And so uh, it's a miracle, it's something special, significant, it's something that's marked. It's not ordinary when you see it. And so uh, as I said before, we see it all the time in scriptures. We see it in the Old Testament. We see uh, a Red Sea parting. We see dudes walking on water. We see fire falling. We see it with Jesus. We really see it with Jesus with the fact that he was raised from the dead. We see it with the early church. There's a moment where uh, one of the apostles literally teleports. Like, that's X-Men type stuff. He, he's walking and he disappears and comes out another place. Um, and we see it all over. 
Now, signs and wonders were never there just to be cool things to talk about. Um, they always served two purposes. So uh, the first one was they were to authenticate that God was at work. So signs and wonders were done to show that God was doing something. So very often Jesus would go in to teach the gospel, to teach the good news, and he would accompany it. it ugh, I can't speak words today. What's the word I'm looking for? Accompany, thank you. Accompany it with uh, signs and wonders. He would come in with healing and, and casting out demons. Um, the other thing it's done for is to draw people to God which to me made a lot of sense. Like if you're walking down the street and you see some crazy miracle happening across the street, you're probably automatically going towards that because that's a crazy sight. You want to go look at it. And so that's what happened. Jesus would come in start healing people and he'd start casting out demons and people go, that's interesting. Let's go see that. And they would be drawn to God. So signs and wonders, they weren't just magical things. They were moments of drawing people to God, to pointing out that God was at work. And so and that's, that's what we're kind of wrestling with. And we're wrestling with it in the context of uh, our bigger series. So if you've been with us for most of 2016, I feel like it's been forever. Uh, we've been in a series called Everyday Discipleship. And the premise of Everyday Discipleship is uh, how do we begin to follow Jesus at every day of our life? Like, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Um, and the question that's kind of guided us has been, what do we do with our faith on Mondays? And so we spent a couple weeks talking about this relationship with the Father. How do we grow in our relationship with God? We spent a couple weeks talking about how do we grow in our relationship with our church community? And now lately, we've been talking about how do we grow in our relationship with the world? And specifically in that, we've been talking about how do we share our faith? And so we're talking about sharing our faith with our words sharing our faith with our actions, sharing our faith. I think last week, sharing our faith with sanctification. Um, and so today we're talking about how do we share our faith with showing? How do we demonstrate our faith? And I think within that, we have to talk about signs and wonders and you'll see why in a minute. So uh, that's kind of where we're going. That's what we're talking about. Um, we're gonna be at Acts 5, uh, 12 through 16. Um, I don't know what page that is on those Bibles. If someone will pull that up for me and just yell it really loudly, that'd be awesome. Acts 5, 12 through 16, someone yelled? 552? 32. 32, 532. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into this. Uh, God, you are a good God. You know how uncomfortable this text has made me this week. Um, how much it's stretched me and how hard it's been. Um, but you're still good. And I believe this is you. Uh, I ask that you will speak in this moment. Lord, for the anxiety that I'm feeling, would you take it? For any ego, would you remove that as well? Um, anything that I say that is not of you, then let it be forgotten very quickly. And anything that is of you, let it be remembered. Uh, we love you. We want to know you more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so Acts 5, 12 through 16. It says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they, 
multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick, the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Now, obviously, we are jumping like right in the middle of the text. Like we, we didn't start at the beginning of Acts and been working our way through it. We, we jumped right in the middle. So I want to give you some context where we're at next. Um, Acts is telling the story. Jesus has come. He has died. He's been raised from the dead. Now he's left and he's commissioned the disciples to start the first church. He's given them, he's told them, hey, go to the ends of the earth and awaken a movement. And Acts is the story of the disciples living this out. Now, up to this point, they've been mostly in Jerusalem. That's the capital city of Israel. That's where the, uh, the Jewish people would meet and, and the religious people would meet. And so they've been there. They planted the church there. They're growing in numbers there. And Acts is telling that story. Now, one of the things, the section that we're in is kind of an overview passage. So what you need to know is throughout Acts, he's gonna, the author is going to tell very specific stories of what's happening. And every once in a while, he's going to give about four or five verses and kind of zoom out and let you see. So I want you to think about this kind of like uh, Apple Maps. I know that is like a despised app is what I hear, but Apple Maps. So the individual passages, the stories are a lot like Apple Maps directing you from here to Frothy Monkey or from here to downtown. They're, they're zoomed in. They're looking at one section of what's happening. Now, the section we're in is the overview. It's a zoomed out picture of what's happening at all the church. It's as if you zoomed out at five o'clock at Nashville on Apple Maps and just see litters of red everywhere and a couple car accidents. That's what seems to be consistent. And so that's what we're in. So we're looking at the overview of what is happening in the church. And immediately it starts out with our favorite topic, uh, signs and wonders. And what it says is that they are performing signs and wonders left and right, just miracles and signs and wonders. And it's just nuts. It's happening. And you can read a lot of those stories in the first four chapters of Acts. Like, go read it. It's crazy what's happening in the first church. So that's how it starts. Then it shifts and it says that they were all together in Solomon's portico. So by they, they're talking about the early church. And it says that they would go and meet in this place called Solomon's portico. Now, a portico, it could probably say, it kind of sounds like porta potty. No, I'm sorry. It's not a porta potty. It's Solomon's hallway is another way to say it. And uh, you need to know three things about Solomon's hallway, okay? The first one is it is a giant meeting space. Um, if you've ever been downtown to War Memorial, that auditorium, and they have the big columns and the ceiling, like, that is what um, Solomon's hallway was like, is tall columns, high ceiling, big space, and the early church would go meet there, and that's where they had church. They would meet in this place. So it's Solomon's hallway. The second thing you need to know is that it was connected to the temple. So um, the Jewish temple is the religious and cultural center of that time for the faith, and this is important because Christianity stems out of the Jewish faith. And so Jesus was a Jew. The early disciples were Jew, Jews, and they would keep going, and they kept practicing the faith there. And so they would go to the temple every day to worship and celebrate Yahweh, and then they would transition into the hallway connected to it, and they would talk about Jesus and how Jesus had come, and Jesus had accomplished, and Jesus was the Messiah. So this is important. So that's the second thing you need to know. The third thing is that it is connected to a place called the Court of the Gentiles. 
So the temple was divided into specific regions in which people can interact. So there's a, a court where only women could go. There was a court where only men could go. There was a section where only, God bless you. There was a section where only priests could go. And then there was like the Holy of Holies. And outside of all of that was the court of the Gentiles. Now Gentile just means anyone who's not Jewish. And so it was the most welcoming place. Anyone was welcomed into that area. And Solomon's portico was connected to that. So it was the most welcoming place. So the reason is almost intentional how they chose it. They go worship in the temple and they would transition across the hallway and they would invite anyone to come know about Jesus. So this is what's happening. So we got signs and wonders happening. They're meeting constantly in this place called Solomon's portico. And that's, now it goes on, it gets a little confusing and it says that the rest, none of the rest would join them. And when I read that, I was like, what, what's it talking about? So what it's referring to here is it's saying the, the rest of the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders that were still meeting in the temple would join them. You have to think about this. They're in the temple. The, leader, the Jewish leaders could sit and look across the court and see these Christians meeting. They look through the columns and they see this large group and people talking about Jesus and miracles happening. And they're watching it and they, they couldn't join. They like kept their distance. But I love it because it goes on, it says, but yet they held them in really high esteem. Now, I think uh, the word there is the original Greek is talking about uh, to say great praises about something, to call something amazing or wonderful. It's a word we would use to describe maybe uh, a celebrity or a sports team. So, for example, I love Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is amazing. He's so much fun to watch. And I would use this word to describe my feelings towards Steph Curry, how great he is, how awesome he is. And so that's what they're saying. They're watching these miracles. They're seeing how crazy what God is doing in the first church. And they're like, that's awesome. That's amazing. We're going to stay over here, but that's amazing. And they're praising it. It's a really cool scene that's happening here. And it goes on and the author's going to give us some specifics. So here's the cool things that are happening. Okay. Uh, one, it says that the text says that they started bringing people out of the houses and laying them in the streets to be healed. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like after this, we're going to go for a walk in Hillsborough Village and people in the houses start rolling out their sick people into the streets so we can heal them. Like you just, can you imagine it? Can you, can you imagine if Vanderbilt started rolling all its people across to the ruby? They're like, you guys are better equipped at this. We're going to leave them here. You handle it. Can you, can you imagine that? Or it goes on and it says that uh, people, Peter's shadow started healing people. I don't know about you, but my shadow has never healed anyone. This is like Peter Pan meets Jesus Christ. And we're walking around and shadows are healing people. People are getting whirled out in the streets. And it gets better. It starts saying that people from the outskirts, all the towns out there, start coming in. They're bringing their sick. They're bringing the demon possessed. They're saying, you can heal it. That's like people from Brentwood and Franklin and Mount Juliet. God bless them. And they, they're <laughs> rolling them in for us. They're like, if we get them in the doors at Ethos, everything will be better. Can you imagine that? It's just ridiculous what God is doing in this moment. The signs and wonders that he is performing. He is just dropping Holy Spirit bombs on the city. And if you're like, I'm sitting on, can you imagine? And the hard part for me this week is that I can't imagine. I cannot imagine this. And there's been a disconnect from this text in my life. No one is being healed by my shadow. 
I don't see signs and wonders left and right. And, and honestly, I don't think anyone looks at the church with high esteem. Most likely, they look the other way and down on us. And I look at this, and I look at this text, and I look at my life, and I don't imagine it. And this is kind of let you in a little bit in on my life. Um, it has been so hard to prepare for this teaching. Uh, for the past six months, I have felt like I have been crying out to the Lord for him to move. And I have not seen anything. Same prayers over and over and over again. And he's not moving. Or at least I don't see him moving. And I come to a text like this and I see how God is moving this text. And I look at my life and I go, that's not happening. And I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm sad. And so, but there's a part of me, the deep down that I keep coming back to, that I want to believe. I want to believe that the God who works signs and wonders in this section is the God that works signs and wonders today. And I want to believe that. And so to let you a little bit into my thought process, this, is, this has been me this week. I've had to argue with myself. And so the first thing I've gone through is, what do I believe? What do I believe? What do I believe? I believe that God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omnipowerful. Now, those are big fancy words that really mean God is all-powerful, all-present, and all-knowing. I believe that God does not change. He has been all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing in the past. He is all-present, all-powerful, all-knowing in the present. And he will be all-present and all-powerful and all-knowing in the future. He's unchanging. First thing I believe. Okay, I'll check that in. Second thing I believe. I believe God did this. I believe it. I don't know how it happened, but I believe it. I look at this text. I believe God in the past, performed signs and wonders. I believe the Red Sea was parted. I believe Jesus walked on water. I believe that a man was murdered on a cross and raised from the dead. I believe that. So then I kind of put those two things together. And I go, okay, I believe that God is not changing. His purposes do not change. There, then, future, okay? And I believe then he did things, amazing things. Then why could he not do them now? And I come to the conclusion that he can. And even though I don't see it, I know he can. And I think so often in my life, because I don't see it now, I don't want to believe it then. And I think the church is notorious at this. We don't see it now, so we, we don't believe it happened then. And so we start to put God in this box that says God only operates in a certain way now, which is crazy logic to think the creator of the universe can only operate in a way that's about this big. And so when I come to the conclusion of this logic, I go, God has to be able to move now. And then I start to hear stories, and I know he moves now. And one of the stories I got to hear this week um, is from Alex. She's in the back. Hi, Alex. Um, Alex, last fall, and I'm probably going to tell this wrong. If I do, correct me, Alex. But uh, last fall was experiencing intense pain in her feet. Uh, she's a basketball player, and if you have intense pain in your feet, it's hard to play basketball. And she was hurting, and she couldn't. She thought her season was done. 
And she came here and it was a call to be prayed for. And she felt that was for her. And so Larkin and Josh and I think Doug went and prayed over her. And then that night, Dave and Aaron prayed over her. And she hasn't felt pain in her feet since. And was able to play the full season and just got to experience the goodness of God. I would call that a sign and wonder. Something out of the ordinary. Or think about why I do not feel like God is responding right now. A couple of years ago, um, I was at the beach with some of our really good guy friends. And my best friend, I mentioned him up here way too much. Um, his name's Peter. And we were out on the beach probably around midnight. We were worshiping. Um, I was at a much better place. And we were worshiping. And I was like, it's bedtime. I'm going to sleep. And he's like, I'm going to stay out here. And so I go up to the room. About 30 minutes later, I get this phone call. And he says, you have to come here right now. I'm like, oh, okay. And I come running down. And he's like, I have to tell you something. He's on the beach. He's like, I got to tell you something. And we start walking down the beach. And what had happened was, from his perspective, he had been walking down the beach. His eyes were closed. He was worshiping. And he was walking by feeling these seashells under his feet. And he's just been walking. And he was crying out to the Lord. He said, God, I need to know that you love me. I need to know that you love me. He's crying out. And he says he gets about a mile down the beach. And all of a sudden, the seashells stop. And so he opens his eyes. And he looks around. And in the sand is his name spelled out in seaweed. And at this point, we get there. And no joke, Peter is spelled out in seaweed across the beach. My reaction, eh, just dropped. I just fell. I just, we sat, and we, wept, we wept, and we didn't know what had swan. And I don't know how it happened. I, I try to explain it. I don't know, but I do know that was a sign of wonder. And so I come to these moments where I'm wrestling with this text, and I'm wrestling with this moment. I'm going, I'm having a hard time believing it right now. But God is the God who's always been, and he did those things then, and he can still do those things now. And I have to walk through that and believe that in this moment. And so I, I sit here and go, where do we go with this? Like our, our premise is how do you share by showing? And my commission is not to go start laying hands on people. You, if God calls you to do that, go to Vanderbilt, have fun. Um, that's not me today. I do think this is a moment of encouraging us to start believing that God can still move in those ways. I do think it's that. I do look at this text and go, it's an encouragement. If God did it then, God could do it now. And even if he's not doing it now, he can do, still do it. And so I think it's a encouragement. So here's, here's the question. So where do we go with this? What do we do? I think it's really simple. I, I, like, this is the thing I got out of the text. What did the disciples do? Oh, they just did the things that Jesus had always done. They just did the things Jesus did. And here's what I mean. Let's look at it real quick. It says, you can look at your text. They were doing kind of three primary things. Uh, the first one, the signs and wonders thing. They did that. Jesus did signs and wonders. We've already talked about a lot of those. Jesus healed people. Jesus walked on water. Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus did signs and wonders. And then he commissioned the early church to go do signs and wonders. So they are literally just doing the things they saw Jesus doing. Jesus did them, they did them. Or the second one, they, they're healing people. We're getting a little more specific. Jesus was constantly healing people. That's what he was known for when he walked into a town. There's moments where he could not sleep and breathe in that town because they kept bringing people to him to heal. And then he commissioned the early church to go heal people. And they did it. 
Jesus did it, so they did it. Or, or if the miracles don't really connect, they're a little off. Um, they're meeting in Solomon's portico. I love this. This got me. They're meeting in Solomon's portico because Jesus met in Solomon's portico. In John 10, 23, it said Jesus would go hang out there and teach. And in other parts, in John 18, 20, it says that Jesus, every time he was in Jerusalem, was constantly going to the temple, constantly worshiping there, constantly teaching there. And in Acts 2, it's going to say that the reason that the disciples are going to the temple every day is because that's what Jesus did. They're just doing the things that Jesus did. And like this, and that's what it's about, like learning to do this, learning to share by showing is just learning to do the things that Jesus did. I think so often as a church, we make it very complicated. Um, the disciples did not have theological training. They probably would not have known the words omnipotent, omnipresent, and omnipowerful. They just did the things Jesus did. They didn't have radical by David Platt or sermons by Francis Chan. They just did the things that Jesus did. And this simplicity in my life has carried me the last six months. My, run, my running saying that I keep saying, and I, I have a lot of tattoos, so I kind of want it tattooed, is just keep swimming. Finding Dory got me right here. Like, just keep swimming. Just keep doing the things you know to do. Jesus got away with God. Keep getting away with God. Jesus hung out with those who had low income. Go hang out with those. Jesus talked to people. Jesus taught. Do those things. And that has carried me in this season of doubt. So here's what we're going to do. It's not a whole lot about me teaching. It's here we're going to do it. at your tables. Um, I'm going to invite you to read a section together. So I'm going to give you the section. We're going to read John 7. 53 through 8, 11. It's like right, last verse in 7, start of 8. So John 7, 53 through 8, 11. Now, I'm going to explain it and then look into it, okay? So explain it, and then so I know you, some of you guys are eager, you're Vanderbilt students. Don't read too quickly, okay? Um, so it's one of my favorite stories. So we're going to have you read it together, and you're going to ask each other this simple question. What did Jesus do in this story? Okay? Now, that can be as simple as Jesus walked. That's fine. We love that. It could be as complicated as Jesus spit and mud eyes of people, healed people. I don't care. You're just asking, what did Jesus do in this story, okay? So that's your first question. And then after you talked about that, as a table, talk about how you could do these things this week. It's that simple. What did Jesus do? How can I do it this week? And I think this is an invitation. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you want to follow and you really believe in miracles and you don't believe, wherever you're at, we can all generally agree that Jesus was a good person. And if we did the things of Jesus, they're probably good things. So this is the moment. What did Jesus do? How can I do it this week? And so we did this as a staff. Uh, what was it, about a month ago, Larkin? And we did it, and I was blown away. I didn't think Dave was like, hey, we're going to go read and just ask the question, what did Jesus do? And I was like, well, this is kind of boring. And we came back. We ended up reading like two gospels almost like a, as a team. And we just wrote down all the things Jesus did. We're like, Jesus walked. Jesus talked. Jesus was really blunt at times. Jesus healed people. Jesus hung out with the poor. Jesus loved everyone. And then we said, all right, how do we do that as a church? Are we doing that? And how do we do that? And that was kind of the filter. And it was so powerful. The simplicity of that. What did Jesus do? How did he do it? So kind of fill you back in. We started talking about my yoga habits. And uh, I, when I started, uncomfortable, awkward. And 
really tight. And I have come to love yoga. Absolutely love it. I do it about three days a week. It's influenced into my practice, and uh, I can now touch my toes. It's amazing. It's a miracle. Uh, But that came out of consistently doing something that stretched me and made me uncomfortable. And I think part of, if we want to learn how to share by show and to believe in the things that God's doing, we have to learn to consistently do the things that Jesus did, even if they make us uncomfortable. So I'm going to pray. You're going to do it. So John 7, 53 through 8, I think 8, 11. Um, read, talk, and then in a couple, like 10 minutes, we'll come up and worship. So uh, God, um, I believe, help my unbelief. Maybe we, may we be a people that keep pressing in even when we don't want to. May the people that are already pressing in uh, keep pressing in and keep leading in those ways. As a body, may we lean on each other. And would you use us and you in us to share with the people that we interact with on a regular basis, from the people here to the people in our homes and works. Um, And above all else, would you be glorified because you are the God who was and is and is to come. And we want to know you in a deeper way. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.